My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm your host. Today's guest is Tom LaRock, a head geek at IT management software company SolarWinds. Tom and I talk about cybersecurity and new tactics that IT leaders can take to help harden their organization's networks and spread awareness. The interview comes after the company released its IT trends report for 2021 titled Building a Secure Future. The report looks at how organizations are prepared to manage, mitigate, and prevent risk in the future. And now here's Tom. All right, so now we now welcome on Tom LaRock, head geek at SolarWinds. And we're talking about um, cybersecurity trends and, and IT security trends uh, going forward in 2022. Uh, so, Tom, how do you see cybersecurity evolving um, this year and going forward? Yeah, cybersecurity, the evolution of cybersecurity, I... I First of all, it's just going to continue to evolve. How how are it heads? You know, it's hard to predict because in the one thing about cybersecurity is you have to sort we have that whole idea of assume breach. So I kind of look at it that if we assume breach, but we don't know where the breach might be coming from. So I always feel like in cybersecurity we evolve to try to fix what the last breach was. So let's use supply chain as an example or log4j. But the thing is like the adversaries have already breached that. So they're already moving on to the next thing. So what cybersecurity will do, it will try to make it harder to be breached by the known factors already. And I constantly kind of feel that's where cybersecurity almost always is. It's evolving towards where we were already kind of just beaten. And so now we want to patch that one little thing in order to make it a little bit harder and then, you right. know, minimize risk from there. So you're saying we're, we're too reactionary and not proactive enough. Yeah. So in my experience, cybersecurity is fairly reactionary. There's a quote, I forget his name, but as he says, uh, defenders think in lists, attackers think in nodes, graphs, really. And that's the crux of the problem. And as much as we want to uh, practice red team, blue team, purple teams, as much as we want to try to walk through and find where all, all of our weaknesses are, the end of the day, when you have a determined adversary with almost near unlimited resources, you're going to get breached. You're, something will happen. The hole will be found. And then it's up to us to react and say, okay, now we have to figure out a better way of doing this. Uh, so I, I'm not going to say we're too reactionary, but we are definitely on the back foot more often than not. So, um, so you expect to see more outsourcing to MSPs and MSSPs. Um, why is that? And, and is in-house IT and security just just not 
uh, running it these days? Yeah, those. I think everybody is making their best effort, right? To say that in-house IT and security isn't enough. Well, I'm not sure it was was ever truly enough. I think people were they were fairly insulated. Today's world is a little more, say, open, and as a result, you're taking on more and more risk the more you say open your borders, so to speak. And so as a result, now you have to start figuring out, okay, where's the cost benefit analysis of us? How many, how big of a security team would we need in-house? And can we leverage an MSP or an MSSP to take some of this burden from us? So that's why I expect to see more outsourcing towards them. I'm not saying you're getting rid of your entire internal IT and security teams, because I think those teams have a lot of business and knowledge, subject matter experts, that they have to stay in-house. But there's a lot of stuff that you can probably outsource to other providers. For example, if you're already thinking of going to uh, Microsoft 365 and you ha- you're doing uh, Exchange Online and all that, you're outsourcing a good chunk of your security already that you don't need to have a full team in-house to do. So I, I think there's a lot of leveraging of a lot of uh, software as a service and uh, ISP or cloud service providers that that we can use in order to you know rec- uh, decrease the burden for in-house IT. So I don't want to say like it's just not enough or they're not getting the job done. There's just so much to be done, and it's just cost prohibitive to think that you're going to be able to staff and fund all of that yourself. So you've mentioned, um, you know, your, your your level of risk that you're willing to take on. Um, is is any level of of risk acceptable? And you know, at what point, um, you know, do organizations consider just you know diving into zero trust? So I think now is the point that every organization should be diving headfirst into zero trust. There's no question in my mind. Zero trust reduces your risk significantly. I'm not saying eliminate, I'm saying it reduces it. It it means you have to authenticate several times a day, yes. However, the alternative is a, a breach, which mm. you don't want, right? So no, to me, no level of risk is acceptable, but I do subscribe to the assume breach mentality. I know that something will go wrong. So now how do we mitigate the risk involved. You know, what are the steps that we can do besides just zero trust? Just some, uh, I'm big on data security and privacy. I only want to give you the information that you need at the time you need it. And I want to protect it so that other people can't see it. And that's just about, that's not eliminating risk. That's just mitigating the risk. So if you leave a spreadsheet on the bus on the way home, it's unusable to somebody else. That's really the goal. And again, you're never going to be perfect. You're always going to, there's always going to be a hole somewhere. But what's the damage? Can we limit the amount of damage when that breach does happen? And I think zero trust gets us there. So you mentioned, you know, along with zero trust comes this, you know, idea of continue, uh, continued authentication throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, your average end user, that probably gets fed up with that. Um, so how do we... You know, do we run the risk of, of burning everyone out on zero trust and cybersecurity? And how do we how do we avoid doing that? 
Well, I, I'm not sure that we that we're headed towards burnout. Uh, if I have to authenticate a handful of times a day and use VPN and all that, it, it's kind of a pain and it's a hassle. I, I wouldn't say burnout, but uh, until we have a better way, then it's just going to be life as we know it, especially as we continue to open the borders. The workplace of the future truly will be remote for uh, a good deal number of us. So how do you verify and authenticate and authorize that user, that endpoint, and know? And right now, the the best thing we have is zero trust. And uh, I mean, is it burnout if you have a security team that sends phishing emails as a test to your own company? I think you need to do those things. You need to actively be engaged so people have security at the forefront. Can it be too much? I, I guess it could. I'm not sure I've seen it where uh, it has been too much. And if it is too much, I, I just want to say, I, I have a question, like, where do you think you're going to go in today's world and not have to deal with cybersecurity to some degree? <clears throat> I mean, my parents are in their 80s. They have to deal with it. It's frustrating for them, it, just computers in general, but all the extra <laughs> right. cybersecurity. When a message pops up on their Android phone and she wants to know what it means, I have no idea what that means. It looks like you, this or that, but it, it's so there is that, that yeah, that burnout, that there is that edge and that cliff where we could maybe walk people towards and maybe it'll be too much, but where are you going to go? What are you going to be doing that you're not going to end up with these levels of security to some degree. So I, I think when it's, if it's normal for everyone, if you don't feel alone, that's when I think you get burnout. You're like, you know what? I'm the only one pushing the rock up that hill and now I gotta go do it again. When you see everybody else is doing it, then it becomes a sort of uh, a common experience and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. And if we're all in it together, that's a little bit, I think, more acceptable, say, as a communal feel, but uh, I'm not sure you could really I just don't think you're going to get away from the controls and the zero trust that, that's necessary at this moment in time until we think of a better way. So that's a good segue into my next question. Um, I think historically we, we viewed security and um, uh, you know cybersecurity just the job of IT and cybersecurity folks, uh, not the job of um, management, executive, uh, end users, et cetera. So how do you create that? Um, idea of, of shared res responsibility when it comes to cyber. Wow. Uh, it's funny. I, I've been saying for a while security is a shared responsibility. And I had an interview a few months back where a professor basically said that's the worst thing ever. Because he said to his, when he heard that, he goes, when you say security is a shared responsibility, that's giving, uh, it's allowing for people to make an excuse for not doing their job because they can point the finger at a different team and say, it, this was your responsibility. And I'm like, whoa, no, no, that is not what I meant. What I meant was we're all in this together. And his viewpoint was, you know, polar opposite. Like, no, that's not how it works when you talk about things being a shared responsibility. That usually means no work gets done. So uh, I... I do believe it's a shared responsibility. How do we get there for people to understand that? I, I'm not sure, but it's going to involve just constant communication. For example, when your internal team says, hey, in the next week or so, we're going to send a test phishing scam email to you because we need to score our company as as a team to see how, we do, how we're doing. 
and the regular communication of this is what it looks like. Please don't click on links, things of that nature. All the other little things that you can do internally for red team, blue team, I think are vital. But at the end of the day, the end user is still going to do something stupid. And you can't, you know, out engineer the stupid. And not stupid as they're just idiots. It's just a careless mistake. It's, oh, yeah, you know, I think I clicked on that and I wasn't supposed to. Uh, it happens to all of us, myself included, where I'm looking at something and my initial reaction is, oh, my God, look at this weird thing. And I interact with it. And then two minutes later, you know, I get that spidey sense. I'm like, wait, that might have not been legit. But my mind was elsewhere and I was distracted. And that was a careless mistake on my part. And I don't think you're ever going to get around that. But that's where the shared responsibility comes in. Because if every team is doing their part and is vigilant to look for stuff like that, if I'm vigilant, I don't make the careless mistake. If my team is vigilant expecting the careless mistake, that's kind of the shared responsibility I'm looking for. Not that, hey, this just lets me point the finger at somebody else. No, 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 no. We're in this together. Uh, and we're only as strong as our weakest link. That's that's how I feel, and that's how I view it. So obviously, I think you know, training and awareness is a, is a huge part of creating that shared responsibility. Um, uh, how useful do you think it is for for IT to kind of communicate you know, those those threats those threats that that the InfoSec community is seeing in in real time? For example, uh, I think over the weekend our news broke about. Um, some ransomware gang sending uh, USB drives in, in the in the mail to folks. How useful would it be for that for IT just to send that to end users? Like, hey, obviously don't plug in the USBs you get in the mail. And now how? You know why? Why aren't we hearing enough from our you know our our experts about about these kind of things? Uh, you know, I I'm not sure. So I feel I'm in tune to some of these security uh, events because I subscribe to a lot of RSS feeds and it comes shows up in my feedly right. So I, I always feel like I'm fairly in tune, but I think you're correct. I, I don't think companies go out of their way to tell end users, hey, the latest thing that's going around right now. Like if I remember back to 9-11, all of a sudden everybody had anthrax in their basement yeah. and it was, you know, it was laundry detergent, but we didn't know. But it was suddenly it was everywhere. Right. So we don't have that communication around things like USBs being mailed, you know, from, I don't know, some nation state. So address, return address on the label, and you should just maybe not plug that in. But that would probably be a good idea if there was some type of, you know, if it was a standard practice for IT to send out like a security newsletter once a week, these are the yeah, latest exactly. trends we that we're seeing. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it makes those, those threats real since they're in the news and they're legit headlines and they've happened in, in the world. And it's not just, hey, look out for this thing that might happen. Right. Yeah. No, knowing knowing what's current, I think, has a lot of value. Uh, but I, I just I'm not aware of it being a standard practice for, you know, I know companies have, uh, you know, SharePoint portals for security information mm -hmm. and all that. But to actively be in front of us, you know, on a periodic basis to say this is what we're seeing. So just to let you know, uh, you know, if a box of USB shows up at your house, maybe maybe don't put them in your computers. Right. Right. Like, what do they think is on them anyway? Why, why uh, would one plug one of those in? I don't know. We, years ago, we were kicking around ideas at some events to, for things to hand out, and USBs always get mentioned. You have to tell somebody, no, you, you don't hand out the USB at an event. Yeah. That's like 
That's just yeah. You're you're not Cisco Live handing out USBs. That's that's like a rookie mistake. So <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I know what would be on them. It's going to be you know marketing materials. It's going to be a PowerPoint deck or things like that. Right. So but the best if, the best thing I ever saw was at uh, RSA. The government had a a booth there. I forget what branch of the government it was, but anyway. They had a charging station, and it was basically sponsored by the NSA. And mm. I just took a picture of that. I go, this is a honeypot. If you plug your device into this, you get anything that you deserve. Yeah. Because you just shouldn't be connecting to unknown things like this. Yeah, <laughs> especially with the NSA. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's really funny. Um, yeah, Tom, any other thoughts you want to you share with us about you know, cybersecurity in in 2022 um is it is it gonna get any less crazy for for it and, and security folks is it's like when, when are we gonna get a break here so uh i always i always think back to to devops dalton you know from roadhouse there where he, he'll just tell you it'll get worse before it gets better you know anytime you think you had a good day a good night whatever it's just like it'll get worse before it gets better and right. that's that's the reality i think we live in. I, I I don't think we're going to get a break because there's value in the data. The data mm-hmm. is the most critical asset any company owns, and the the data is just so it's too valuable to just you know resist the urge to try to gain access to that. That's right. the that's cyber warfare right there. I need access to the data, and if I can get access to your data, I have information on you that you didn't want me to have. So if I now I have it, I can leverage that in a lot of different ways. And uh, because that there's so much value in the data, it, it's going to constantly be a source of attacks one way or the other. So I, I don't think we get a break. No, I'm sorry if that's pessimistic. It's just the reality as I see it after many, many years of, you know, going through this over and over and over again. You know, nobody saw Log4j coming. People right. are using, the, you know, this logging software for decades, and finally yeah. somebody goes, "Whoa, maybe that's not as secure as we thought." Like, who, who would think that way? Finally, somebody finds it, realizes it, recognizes it, and now you wonder how often was maybe Log4j used uh, to breach people, like for years. So right. now it becomes a nightmare. So no, we're not getting a break because there's always going to be a new Log4j. I think the one, the one positive about this over the last few years is that there is so much awareness about cybersecurity. It's, it's in, there's a cybersecurity headline in er, almost every major uh, news organization, news website, newspaper, everywhere now. Um, So I think that's, that's one positive that's come out of this. Yeah. But you know, when I hear of things, an incident like a log4j, I don't want to pounce on them so much, but it, it really underscores to me. I look at that and I go, so that that's been a vulnerability for a long time. Yeah. And it almost it's it's like you you had this blissful ignorance, like, no, things are good. We're good. And then all of a sudden that happens and you go, whoa, things have not been good and they haven't been good for a really long time. Do I have to can I go back in time to see if we have been vulnerable, you know, over the years to this? Do we have the logs still? Like, should I go through and try to figure out? Probably. But that's you know, that's the thing where it's, it's just not getting easier at all. And I just don't see us getting a break. But it's also how, you know, how how do we manage it? 
I mean, we could look at it one of two ways. We could just say, you, you know, we're never going to win at this, so just give up. Or we could look at it and just sort of say, you know, this it's the end of the world anytime one little thing happens. Or we can just say, you know what, we're in it for the long haul. We, we know it's going to be a battle, and we know we're going to have some wins and some losses. And I think that's the way, really, that's the healthier mindset to have at the end of the day. Very good. All right, uh, Tom, thanks very much. I appreciate your time. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to MyTechDecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWComo. Until next time.